Bhagavato Rato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddhang Dhammang Sanghang Namasami So, holistic awareness. Awareness is a is a constant. Means that whatever's happening, with there's some awareness of that. Although that uh, the way we define that can be confused or excited or, you know, the the, the measurements of these are inconstant, are changing all the time. Bodily. Emotional, conceptual, pleasant, unpleasant, confused, bright, exalted, contracted, dull, wavering, defiled, skillful, unskillful. These are all the way, all the formulations. Yeah. And all these formulations and uh, are, uh, are constant, shifting, are in constant, impermanent, changing. Yeah. Because they're changing, how do we know something changes? What is it that knows something changes? You know, if that if that was changing, you wouldn't know change, would you? Like if you're on the plane, you don't know it's moving. <laughs> you know, you're just sitting still on the plane. If you're on the plane, you don't know it's moving. You only know it's moving through things moving relative to that. Right? So often, this this is the kind of vipassana anthem, or the phenomena arise and cease. Rising and ceasing, focus on that. Well, what's the big deal about that? Well, it's just that what is it that knows things arise and cease? Not just conceptually, but experiences that. This is awareness. Yeah. Why? Why that? Why? Why bother to do that? Because this awareness is uh, can be released. There was no longer. Uh, trapped or trammeled or strung out or confused or upset or drawn into the dramas of what arises and ceases. That's one, the main, the big thing. Also that through that um, sense of dispassion, detachment, coolness, then we can get a more mature uh, response to our thoughts and feelings than if we're totally enmeshed in them. If we in identified with them if we you know anxious and frightened and guilty and needy about them you don't have a very skillful way of handling them because you're always you know bias isn't it skillful ways when there's coolness and ease and you say well this is appropriate this is going to be a bit difficult but we can work with this 
Yeah, so it's that sense of the dispassion coming back into the awareness enables us both to realize a, a place of freedom and also a place of res- true responsibility. You know, this means uh, two fundamental uh, themes in practice. One is energy and one is view. So the quality of energy means that we really start to um, differentiate or withdraw our energy from engagement involvement. This is kind of, um, you're collecting it. This is the principle of samadhi or samatha. You're collecting energy rather than just going out into the ups and downs and, you know, going up with the ups and down with the downs and involved in that and enmeshed with that, you know, which is basically what most of us are doing a lot of the time. Energy is very much caught up with the comings and goings of events. And then when you, we come on a retreat, we feel pretty pooped because of that. Like, you know, you've got to start paying the bill, really. Because <laughs> one's life force energy has got, you know, per force, sometimes by circumstance, that's the way it is. We get involved with stuff that draws energy out of us. Yeah. The life force, you only got so much of it. A lot of it you're spending. We're spending on stuff. Yeah. And uh, then you've always got to recognize, well, how much is stuff worth? Realize, you know. You are the only one who's got the stuff doesn't have energy. You've got the energy. Right. It says it's going to make you feel good and it's going to make you better and happier. You, you got, you know, where's the happiness? It's in you. <laughs> it's not in the thing, is it? You want, to, you want to fasten it to that thing, you know, something that displaces that quality of joyfulness and happiness and agreeable qualities onto a thing. Well, you know, okay. It's when you invest it in, then what happens when the thing goes? Bump, you know? Meanwhile, it's the anxiety and the, and the need that gets, gets involved with that. And it gets so that we don't really sense we have an option. Without those things, without our, our feel-good things, life would seem rather bleak, barren, limp, flaccid, you know, pointless. Yeah. Well, the Buddha, just as an example, he says, well, you know, like the king of Varanasi, with all his silks and perfumes and costly this, that and the other, he never has a single moment of peace of mind because he's always frightened of losing it and looking after it. And some other king is going to come and snatch it from him. You know? Whereas I can sit in unbroken happiness for seven days and nights under a tree on my own just feeling the joy and the bliss of a well-trained mind. You know, this is where it is. <laughs> you know, and it gets displaced onto things. You know, that's, that's the movement. That's the outgo, the outgoing movement, karma. Not kama, but karma. Karma means sensuality. So it's that outgoing onto an object. So we displace our energy onto things. As they come and go, we go up and down with it. We're hooked onto it. Yeah. That definitely drains us. You know, it kind of stimulates, but it also drains. You know, we plug into that, it gives us stimulation. But the stimulation isn't giving you more energy, it's just using your energy, 
you, you know, it's just using it, isn't it? You know, your energy nervous system is getting fired up, but um, it's still coming from you. Yeah. And the other forms in which we uh, transfer energy to what's called the these are outflows, the outflow of becoming, ambition. Identity construction, ego trips, um, power, you know, all that stuff, either subtle, obviously you see people do it gross, you know, big time performers, stars and so forth, and uh, put a lot, huge amount of energy onto becoming something. They shine like meteors, but then they go out as well, they blow up, they impact, break down. You know, so many people just go over. They've used up the energy on becoming something. You know, no, this isn't just an individual choice. This is something that happens for all of us. We tend to take on a particular role, a position, a function. We want to do it well. We want to be, you know, for good enough reasons. This is not uh, immoral, but it's sometimes confused. We take on a position, a responsibility, a job, and we want to be good at that. We want to become good in that. And of course, when you go into this, you realize that the job or the position requires a certain constant high performance, and actually it's going to keep going up. Nobody says, well, do less well today than you did yesterday. (laughs) That's okay with me. I know you need a break. They say, no, do at least as good, and really, you better start doing, keep doing better and better. Well, where's that going? <laughs> Crash. <laughs> and would we be content with just being, you know, second rate? You know, that's, 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 the, that's the indoctrination, is don't be content with just being nobody special. You want to be, you know. And though these things are sometimes we can see through them, they do to have a pull on the way our psyche gets moulded and structured in a culture and a society. You know? So, you know, want to become a good meditator. You know, there's another one, isn't it? The spiritual odyssey, the spiritual Olympics. Yeah. Everyone's gold medal, bronze. bronze. <laughs> The no medal, you know, hardly got off the starters blocks. <laughs> Didn't become anything. So it definitely has a real effect. We feel disappointed because we've so unconsciously as a reflex bought into that. But where does becoming go to? Yeah? Just, you know, the bit that we have become, we've all become something. Is it? Final, perfect, okay, finished? Or does it still need tweaking, adjusting, not as good as somebody else's, declining? Something you've got to keep trying to support and hold on to and make better and feel a bit embarrassed by because it's not as good as so-and-so and and she's really got it going and I haven't and all this sort of stuff. And he can sit good. You know, where does it go? It just goes to more of that same old run, doesn't it? It's a race you can't win. Nobody ever won it. It's not even your race. You can't win it. Nobody ever won it. Generally, they keep quiet about the wrecks, you know. (laughs) 
people who tried and then, you know, blew a fuse somewhere. Yes. This is a this is a deep structure. So that just feel the energy going toward into that. So sometimes you go, you know, when you go to meditate, oh no, no, no more of that. Meditate. I just seem to be peaceful and quiet than meditate. Well, what do you think meditation is? <laughs> you know, it's really trying to find your your energy form as it is, rather than hook it onto some, you know, Buddhist ideal. Try to really find your energy form as it is, and then you nourish it. Find your energy form, what energy there is. Of all of us, it's going down on one level. On the bodily level, the life force level, it, does, it goes down. Yeah? Still, there's a spiritual form, an energy form. It doesn't have to do that. It can brighten, it can clarify. And this is the beauty. If you practice spiritual life, the older you get, the better it gets, basically. Because <laughs> you know, you, you, you know it's, it's supported by things like faith, love, joy. You don't lose your capacity for that as you get older. Something you just see through the rest of the mythologies that we get seduced by. You know, enough. You know, basically, you know, for sixty, you're not really going to make it in the big sensuality race anyway. <laughs> so you check out. <laughs> Yeah, 25, you've still got a few chances, but 60, it's over. <laughs> so it's just that, then you think, but faith, you know, love, joyfulness, uh, these are things, equanimity, these things become much more possible. This is really the, the Buddha said, this is the best kind of becoming. If you want to become anything, just do it in that level. And it's a very beautiful way. This is even that, you know, you've got to recognize this is just this. It's just this which has arisen, been developed, been cultivated through time. It's just that. It's not mine. It's just that. Yeah. We can let it go. Yeah. As, we, as you know, we're all going to die. It moves on. So, you know, there's the best kind of becoming, which means your energy is much more cherished, restored, generated, put into skillful things. And it's also, when it's like that, you, be, you can also have this other kind of cultivation, which is the cultivation of view. You begin to see, it's just this. It's just that. Leave it. Let, <laughs> leave it be. Cultivation of energy, cultivation of view. Now, another way in which your energy gets used up is in the uh, it's called non-becoming or unbecoming, which is annihilation. You know, so we spend some time burying ourselves in things that uh, numb us out. You can bury yourself in work. You can bury yourself in drink, drugs. You, so you don't have to feel anything. You just go kind of numbed. You know? So we also we tend to do this in various vegging out. You know. The, you know, so take, don't take responsibility, just numb out. But that also, that is also has an energetic effect. It means your energy goes, retracts, is um, suppressed, it's no longer available. Like almost a not wanting to make contact. We, 
just shut down. And it becomes so these patterns are reflexes. We don't, you know, it gets so reflex that we find ourselves, you know, coming to, say, you know, maybe a retreat where there isn't the things you've got to become. There's nothing much to get, have, be. So the system goes, oh, well, shut down, you know. You don't want it to do that, but it does because it's kind of, it's been entrained that way. We numb out. Because a lot of uh, retreat experience is not ecstatic, joyful, blissful, powerful realizations pumping through a lot of it. It's just getting up, dragging yourself down, (laughs) sitting down there, holding your body up, pain, other people nodding, drifting around you, and geez, you know. <laughs> so, well, this deadbeat seed, you know, something you just shuts down. <laughs> yeah. And uh, monasteries are like, you know, it can be really like this. We have these all-night sittings in the monasteries, and it's just like, you know, it's a dark night of the soul being performed in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> lurid details <laughs> what do I do to get here with this lot people Now, the thing that we can get, uh, also we expend energy on, is, uh, is uh, we can get riled up about opinions, views, ideologies, rights, causes, missions, the right, the fair, the just, and so forth. So when things are getting a bit slack, you can get riled up about, you know, whatever it is. Politics, football, religion, ideologies of various kinds, you sort of get psyched up and burn a lot of energy up that way. Uh, you know. So it's kind of powerful, isn't it? I remember Ajahn Sumedha said when he was in um, Thailand in the Nixon era, when Richard Nixon was president, and you had other American monks, he'd just say the word Richard Nixon and watch them all get riled up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you don't just say, you just say uh, uh, Nixon. They're just the very sound <laughs> two syllables. People start getting angry, upset, and this shouldn't be wrong. And the same thing where you can say George Bush, and the same thing happens. You know. <laughs> Where's that? You know, so two sounds <laughs> and an interpretation, and all this stuff. What's happening? You want to punch the TV screen every time you see him. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, then what's you know what's what's the raw material? It's your energy is being used in these. You feel frustrated, disappointed, angry, riled up, bitter, fed up. Yeah. Uh, then you sort of come down. You've got the kind of hangover feeling from it. And because uh, our life in the world is very much associated with sense objects, with um, 
performance and with things we can get you know, feverish about or upset about being broadcast on the media. Yeah? It's been one thing after another, getting us excited and disappointed and angry and desperate and needy and frustrated and righteous. <laughs> and then you can't you just switch it all off and <laughs> down like a like a sack. <laughs> so the Buddha's saying, you know, you see it's like this. Is there any kind of uh sensuality becoming or views that doesn't have this effect as it's been going on for forever <laughs> I'm sure back in Varanasi they had views about the Varanasi football team various the you know pattern of football team or something or the other something you know, had something to get going on the nature of the soul the infinite the finite whether the soul was the same as the body or separate from the body whether it's the same as the cosmos or separate from the cosmos. Sometimes in these suttas you can come across these incidents where the, the wanderers are having a real wrangling over whether the, the self was infinite or finite, conjoined with the world or not conjoined with the world. You think, oh, gee, what's this all about? This was hot. In those days, this was hot stuff. You know? You know, okay, Christianity is the father the same as the son or secondary, you know, where's the Holy Ghost fit into all this? People fight wars over this. They've got no way of knowing one way or another. <laughs> really. <laughs> but, you know, you can burn towns down over this. You can slaughter people over these things. You know, the fire of views. And then the Ignorance or the, the missing the point, that witness which almost cantankerously keeps avoiding the point with, are you su- is this sub- causing you suffering and stress? Does it lead that way or does it lead out? Oh no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I'm really, you know, <laughs> don't give me that Buddhist stuff. This is, you know. so, you know, to, to really not prioritize that, you know, the, the, the release from suffering. And the Buddha is saying, this is for our, our, my welfare, for your welfare, and for realizing Nibbana. So it's a threefold checklist. Is it for my welfare, for the welfare of others, and realizing Nibbana, the cooling, the release, the unbinding, the freedom? Which way does this go? We kind of run that through our programs, through our habit programs. Is this for my welfare, for my long-term welfare? You know, most things have got a short hit to them. The wisdom faculty is the faculty that can differentiate between short-term boost and long-term profit. Yeah. Human beings aren't so good on that. They like the short-term boost. You know, The financial bubbles, the, the hit, the cocaine, you know, Financial coca- you know, the financial bubbles, you get the hit, and then, you know, then the slump comes after, doesn't it? Same with any kind of drug. So we're easily caught in that. So one of our senses just stretch, widen the view, <laughs> get the long-term cause and effect perspective on, on what we're doing. And for this is what we do, you know, meditation, 
whatever you call it, quiet time is for doing that, for considering, you know, for recollection, looking at this short-term profit, long-term gain. Even if it's short-term, uncomfortable, but is it for my long-term welfare? I think so. You know, I think I need to stretch into this. I think I need to, you know, move into that. So we're checking it out. Not just based upon agreeable or disagreeable, but really on long-term welfare. Yeah. And, of course, we need to keep checking that out. You know, you don't want to just buy into something. But uh, the way, one way you check it out here and, the na- here and now, without waiting for long-term results, is... Is this, is this got uh, virtue? Is it associated with goodwill? Is it associated with harmlessness? Is it associated with needing less? Is it associated with the welfare of others? You look at the roots of mental action, bodily action. You know. Is it associated with loving kindness? Is it associated with honesty? Is it associated with patience? Is it associated with needing less, simplicity? Just feel this, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. This does not use me in a bad way. This does not use other people in a bad way. It's going to to go to a good place. And just trying to bear that in mind. So, you know, meditation or quiet time is about deliberate recollection and assessment in that way. Not self-judgment, but recollection and assessment of skillful habits, skillful processes, and unskillful ones. We call this the mindfulness of dhammas, fourth foundation of mindfulness. So all this, yeah? So energy, then if we cultivate with right view, then we cultivate and we use our energy skillfully. So it's a cultivation in terms of energy, and if you steady and stabilize your energy, it means your, your faculties become brighter, clearer, and the view becomes clearer. It's like you can't see properly until you've steadied a little. So first of all, the energy, stabilizing, steadying, grounding, you know, feeling good, refreshing. And then the, the eyes start, to, the dumb eye starts to open and better view. You know, you know coming out of the madness, coming out of the, the busyness of it all, coming out of the density of it all, the view the Dharma rise starts to open. Uh, all things are changing, all things are passing. Which are the best ones to, to nurture, to attend to, to, you know, hand, you know, to, to, to bring forth? Widening the view. Developing the view. And the two, these two processes, samatha or steadying and vipassana, view, insight, are the uh, main two themes of mind cultivation. They have to be, because the mind has energy and the mind has view. It sees things, it witnesses things, that's its behavior. So you've got to cultivate both of those. It's holistic. You can't just do one. (laughs) 
And where they meet, there's an experience called citta vimuti and panya vimuti, which is citta vimuti means the freedom, you know, the mind, its energy is no longer being drawn out, dragged out, used up. Citta vimuti. We're no longer tagging our energy to sights, sounds, psychological performances and so forth. It's just, it doesn't have to go there. And it's, it's rested, it's stabilized, it's rested. And uh, on a kind of an annual way of thinking, you wonder, well, where, where does it go? You know, if it's not on that, 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 where is it? Because we're so entrained into feeling our energies rely upon doing something, being something, having something, having, you know. So what's that? So you, you, don't, you can't give it a word. You don't have to know what it is. You just, it, it will do that. <laughs> it'll do that there is this place where it just rests like poised in balance without being attached to anything without leaning on something the mind is not supported by an object citta vimuti panya vimuti is to do with the freedom of view one's, uh, one's uh, wisdom one's ability to discern is uh, freed it's no longer biased by a view or an opinion or trying to prove something or trying to deny something. It's just clear. It's clear. It's not trying to convince or affirm or create some metaphysical structure or, you know, make some statement. Like, it doesn't know anything. That sounds pretty stupid, doesn't it? It doesn't know anything. It knows knowing. So then, you know, it knows knowing. It doesn't have to have a thought system or a construction or a theology to, um, to affirm or refute. It knows the knowing. So, you know, this really is, it gives it all back, you know, the practice. It gives everything is given back, you know. It's not, you know, it's not a religion, it's not a philosophy, it's not a, it's just all given back to called unconditioned, no tag, no strings. No, it's, it's really the Buddha saying, "This is what I'm offering you." You know, this is what I found. This is what I'm offering. I can't even offer it to you. I can offer you the inspiration that it's there. I, you know, that's what I can offer. I can offer you some practices that you could pick up. It's up to you, of course, to uh, all of us to practice with. But let's take it simply again, coming back to energy and view. You know, because this, the process is holistic, you may think, well, that sounds like a really tall order. All that, you know, wow, when are we going to get to that state? Well, right now, you can, you, like, holistic means that in any given moment, the fullness is there. Like, everything is there in any given moment. And any, you know, it means, for example, also any place, like in your own body, there is both the world and the end of the world. There's the pressures, the tangles, the tightness, the whatever it is. There's also somewhere in there that you don't necessarily see or know. Somewhere in that experience of embodiment, there's also a release. Right there in that. Not in the flesh, 
but in this, the sense of your body, like the energetic sense of having a body, somewhere in there, there also is Nibbana. You know? and the Buddha is saying, this, this, uh, you, you, get, you don't get to the end of suffering until you get to the end of the world, but the beginning and the end of the world is in your own body. In this body with its perceptions and feelings and consciousness is the beginning, the end of the world, and the path leading there too. You say, wow, is it spleen, fingernails, ears? No, 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 no. Now that's not, that's, you know, that's what we think, that's what we've been told our body is. You come into direct experience of your body through consciousness. I haven't got got a spleen, fingernails, I've just got warm, shifting pressures, energies, sensations. Pleasure, pain, neutral, sort of uncomfortable, quite comfortable, bright, sagging, constricted. That's what it is. It's that. You've got three, well, you've got sensations, feelings, energies. That's, that's your body. And right in there, somewhere in there, there's also the release from that, or the knowing of that, or the holding of that. You know? We don't see it because it's not, it doesn't have the push and the intensity of these other things. But when you handle the sensations and the energies and the feelings carefully and you quieten them, and you alleviate them, you smooth them. What's that? Oh, there's a bit that you can't name. You can't, but it keep. It's the sort of like everything you say is is wrong, but it's rather like the space. You don't see it, you don't know it, but you feel it through the absence of pressure, the absence of movement, the absence of push, and the absence. Again, absence is an attractive term. Is really means the freedom from the pressure, the push, the fever, the intensity, the anxiety, the gripping, the holding, all that's the freedom from that. Somewhere in there, in there, in this very body, in very embodiment experience. So we start to study the body in a particularly, in a careful way. Of course, we could say it's the same thing. You look in the thinking mind. It's in there. Wow. You know, in your thinking mind, all those ma- amazing snowfall, blizzard of thoughts, flurrying, whirring around. Somewhere before the thought begins, at the end of the thought, when the thought pauses, somewhere in there, when there's no effort to think, when there's no trying to not to think, there's a place of release. So within this body, within the thinking mind, and also within the heart, probably in some ways the most easiest place to to note it. Because it's a quality of uh, uh, which we immediately resonate with very strongly, sense of freedom, taste of freedom, experience in the heart, which we love so much. But it's a sense of measureless, boundless openness. We get a whiff of it sometimes. You know, that's 
you don't have to be told something you want. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. When you have it a few times in a lifetime. But sometimes it's the intuition of that, that freedom of heart, that moment of stopping, that moment of release, that we had sometimes almost accidentally, you know, just happened across it, that where the arising of faith occurs, something stops you, something blows it out for a moment. Somehow the curtains part and you, oh. Yeah. We may have experienced this already. Somewhere in there, but we, what was that? How do, you, how do you do that? You know, how do you do that? How do I get more? Then the old habits come in. So in any, any part, there's, there's the whole story is in any, any part. The world, the arising of the world, the path out of the world, the ending of the world. When I say the world, I mean the worldliness, the being world around. And you pick up your cues where you can, perhaps. Some of us, it's that because so much of our basic inclinations come from the heart's intuitions. All of you, all of us, have wanted to be here. Felt appropriate, felt I need a retreat, I want to do a retreat. Something we wants, I want to do that, I want to be there. You know, after day two you're thinking, I must have been crazy. <laughs> But then, you're, then how many how many retreats? Some of you got whole careers of doing retreats. You know, twenty retreats or so, innumerable. Something you really wants to do this. I didn't tell you. <laughs> Nobody forced you. So there is that for all of us. There's some kind of intuition, isn't there, that got us here? Saying, so, you know, freedom, release, understanding, however it was for you, quiet, getting in touch with myself. However, it is there. There, there it is. You know, we come into that. What does that mean for you? you dwell upon it. <coughs> reflect upon it. Don't try and figure it too much. Just reflect upon that feeling that oneness wants to rise up, wants to move through, wants to clarify. It's, it's a calling, calling in the heart. And giving yourself the time to, you know, keep resonating that, resonating what it is what that is. Yeah. Love could be love, could be expression of love for you, wisdom, freedom, various ways in which we give it words. And there's, there's, your, there's your entry, the rising of faith is that. And then now we want to uh, make good use of that and begin to find a way that can be expressed through this karmic predicament predicament, which is we've been born, we have bodies, we have memories, we have the results of having been born. We have all this. We have the results of having lived and responses and reactions. We have this. Within this experience, 
within all this, there is the release from this. Within all this, there is the release from this. It's holistic. Within all this, confusion, uncertainty, so within this, there is the release, not apart from it. You don't have to shove it aside, regret it, you know, oh dear, shove it away. Somewhere within all that, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of direct here and now experiencing. And it's, of course, it's a very fine knack because, you know, we say this, but when the stuff happens, you know, my, most of our reflexes are going to go, I don't want this. Something's going wrong here. I don't want to get out. I want to get out of this. <laughs> Something's wrong is happening. Get me out of this, you know. The reflex happens, doesn't it? It's like, you know, when you're driving, you've got snow on the, on the hood and it comes hitting the windscreen duck, you know. <laughs> Your reflex triggers. So you've got to kind of lean against that reflex to get away from, to feel there's something fundamentally wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. You just got to view it in a different way. You know. Everybody's the odd one out. <laughs> you know. We all share that experience. That's, that's the... That itself is a hindrance, an obscuration a denial. When you feel it, get the feeling for it, you think, isn't that really saddening? So many good beings, such, you know, can be hidden under that grey sense, you know, regret sense, you know, because we haven't become anything yet. (laughs) You haven't become what you should have become. That's mythology. That's that's the slave in slavery that keeps us going. There's nothing to become. But there is this perplexing experience of contradictions and ambiguities and energies and desires and aversion and confusions and fears and pains. I tell you, within that is, is the release. Within that. A lot of our practice is just about how we meet, how we meet the giant bear, how we meet the big green octopus. (laughs) Without flinching, fighting, faking it, you know, the, the, the basic reflexes that can occur. Faint, fight, flee, freak out. (laughs) You know, what is it? Just to to meet that, to meet what arises. Now we we meet what arises, um, sensations, energies, feelings. If you're looking into the mind, it's going to be uh, emotions, which are a mixture of energies and and feeling, perceptions. So there are a number of of, um, things we meet, you might say. None of them 
but you never meet something called myself. You meet something that says it's myself. You never meet yourself. You meet a feeling, pleasure, pain. You meet a mood. This probably becomes so familiar that it seems like yourself because it's familiar. You know it. It seems like me. It feels like me. It tastes like me you know, because it's familiar. Yeah. So that's, that's often the, the, the secondary thing that arises after the immediate contact is, oh, it's me again, you know. Oh, we do our thing again. And there's a certain familiarity and perhaps a certain stay on, even a certain frustration in that. You're doing the same thing, the same thing, the same feeling of inadequacy again, you know, the same, you know, got to make it. Again, the same, got to fix it again, the same agitation again. That's why we slow down the process. We just try to get back to the very contact, the feeling, the energy. That's where we pause. You know, and you pause by going very clearly onto the feeling and the inclination to get away from it, to flurry, to agitate, what am I going to do, should be something else, oh no, you know, what about some of that, just slow it down, slow it down, and why this usefulness of coming into the body, the body's a much slower system, it's got a lot more um, traction on it, you can get hold of it, you can feel the impulse rushing up into your head or sinking into your stomach, or grabbing your throat, or tightening your chest, you know. That's where that, the me form, you can feel it embodying you, you know. That's why this body is, is useful experience, going into it in the body. In the body, it's the same thing, but we're looking at it through the bodily window. So, you know, from the body window, what would be a sense of, you know, me being unable, frustrated, not getting there, from a bodily sense would be a lot of energy coming up into the chest, into the head, fire. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. And then, okay, now where are the legs? Where's the back? Where's the space around? You know, widening, softening. So we start to contemplate those reflexes that take this being, this awareness back into the me forms, the familiar me forms, you've contemplated in a bodily sense, you've got a lot greater possibility of coming out of it. Then if it just goes into the psychology where the whole reactivity starts going on and on and it becomes very fast-moved and very complex, why this embodiment is such a primary foundation the Buddha strongly recommended saying you don't touch the deathless unless you contemplate the body. It's, it's, this is your primary way in. A lot of times it's not just this kind of blazing fire, but it's a slow spinning, sinking, deforming. I don't know. Losing it, 
into something. You go out of the body. Mind, it's as if you lose, you lose your body and you're into, one is into some mind state. So then it's, well, right now, where, where are you? Where is the body now? What does the body mean to you now? Where, what do you feel of that? Feel, wrinkly eyes, sort of head, sort of jelly-like head. You know, sort of drooped. So where's your where's the base of the body? The body? What's that? (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, it's just like you've got to. Oh yeah, there it is, and then widening. See, you know, just coming back into it. Sitting within that lets the, en- the energy which had been drawn out into these complex patterns which are associated with becoming, with sensuality, with views or with ignorance. You know, these are strong terms, but it's associated with mixes of these. It's taken us out, taken it out. We've been ripped off again. You know, out there, something. Body. Body, body, oh, body, <laughs> you come back into this, and then maybe you find you're really all up here, yeah. and then coming back into the fullness of that, that's no, quite a, a little simple, yeah, still, it's not <laughs> easy to do, yeah. but then the thinking mind, it plays its part in that, naming where you are. Are you really in your body or are, or at this moment, am I in doubt or anxiety? You know, those territories. Photograph the territory. You know, so you really get to know it. This is me in guilt territory. You know, what does it look like? What does it feel like? You know, something pressing on me, something nagging at me, something chewing me, something churning me over. That's what it feels like. Get a good hit, get a good description of that one, and then okay. Now, where's where's the body in that? And then, can you feel the fullness of it, the sides of your body, and so on? So we're just gently easing out, not reacting to the regret or whatever it was, not reacting to it. We're just okay. There's that, and there's also. The release from that. There's that, and there's the release from that. You don't actually have to even move out the territory. The territory moves out of you. You come back into fullness, into fullness of being, rather than being in a fragmented, contracted, embedded, captured smallness of being where you're very much more finite, you're just in the regret realm, the tiny contracted regret realm where you're always on your own, in there, in the <coughs> meanness of it. You come back in, right in that territory, where specifically is this body? And then right there, you widen, strength deepen, and 
the cloud moves on. This is possible. The main thing is not to react, not to get in a flap, not to get make more stuff out of the territories that we travel into. And uh, every one of them will seem like it's me. And in that time, you, we can link up the dots of our history and say, yes, that's me. You know, link up those five or six dots. That's me, all right. And we erase 20,000 other dots. <laughs> and you link up the six dots of things I didn't do right. And we forget the rest of it, and there I am. You know, we, we, we give birth to ourselves in these, in these alien territories that don't do us any good. Isn't that? That's what's called ignorance. <laughs> and it's an addiction. Addiction means it doesn't do you any good. You know it doesn't do you any good. You really think you ought to stop doing it and then you do it again. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy. You know, it slips right in there. It slips right there. Uh, it's the path of least effort. You slip right in there. So we slip right into our, into our alienated territories where we feel alone, frustrated, needy, having to hold it together, and we just slip right in there. Yeah. And at that time, that's, that's kind of all we see. It's just that. We don't see the freedom. We don't see the beauty, we don't see the truth, we don't see the humor, we don't see the graciousness, we just see what that territory tells us. This is what birth is, forming. And as you become that, and you form into that, we start to lay down habits and behaviors that conform with that. So we, you know, the pro- we fulfill the prophecy. That's, that's karma. That's where it happens. That's how you, you end up creating yourself in that trajectory and acting it and, and solidifying it. Yeah. Energy is used to affirm one's own captivity. It's awesome. Yeah. What's it like? We come to that and so, you know, not going to get panicked by this state. Stay there, and then you start to deepen into your body, widen, and you start to see the other dots that you haven't noticed, like the patience, or the energy, or the stability, or the faith, and eventually they become your pattern. You know, you know just by, by practicing like that, they become the pattern. They become your form. Your form becomes a dumber form. And it's, I think it's interesting and perhaps uh, important to realize this doesn't mean we then dismiss you know, the anger or the regret or the doubt. Or the, you know. We can understand it. And there's a deep sense of compassion for ourselves and for all us sentient beings, all us humans, 
or you know, prone to these forms, so seduced by these forms, these, these pain forms. Hmm. Eckhart Tolle uses the word the pain body. I've never really studied it, but to me it's a very evocative term. A most familiar body, when I see body I mean an energy body, not a physical form, is the pain body. <laughs> the one we go back to that afflicts us, hurts us, frustrates us, annoys us. You know? So it's there. Now you can't, you don't want to kill it, but it's rather like when you take, uh, um, you put it in water, like you take something that's hard and encrusted and rigid and you put it in, in water and just leave it there and it starts to soften and dissolve. This to me is how we um, release or come out of the, the body of our pain, of our dukkha. And it's, it's a particular quality of the process. It's not dumping it, going somewhere else, but the, the careful widening, handling, embodying, supporting. We come back to our true body out of this dream body, which is the pain body, which is like a strange trance we get into. Very, very convincing trance we get into. Yeah, we probably go into these several times a day, sometimes some really big ones, trance bodies. And where are you now? How's it, what does it look like in there? So right there, we're establishing some sense of, rather than just you know, adding more wallpaper and furnishing this miserable territory, just what is it? Name it. Name it. Then immediately you do that, immediately you do that, you've established some sense of detachment because you know, you're naming it rather than being it. And the fact that you... That you do that means you have the, some sense of faith and confidence that in knowing something actually as it is, is the process of release. Knowing something as it is. What is this? It's contracted, it's tight, it's whirling, it's speedy, it's sinking, it's like that. Okay, you've already begun. And now the, that's the sada or the confidence, the and then the energy coming back into the body, just directing yourself back to the body, the here and now, the present, widening, relaxing some of that intensity, breathing in, breathing out, you know, as a vehicle. The deep, steady out-breath, the long pause, the deep, steady in-breath, you know, and coming out of the trance. And it's rather like that because if we, if we just, you know, switch it off or, or, you know, try and put something else in its place, what goes along with that is the seeds and the foundations for the next pain body. <laughs> it's another kind of birth. Yeah. It's kind of, oh. 
I don't have that, I'm out of that. Who? Who is out of that? Who was in it? You haven't really understood there was nobody in that territory. There was nobody there. You don't see yourself in the dream. You see all the landscapes. You don't see yourself in the dream. You don't see yourself in the trance. You see the other people, the memories, the feelings, the sensations, and so forth. You don't see yourself because you're not in it. Yeah. And as soon as you say, I want to be somewhere else, I want to get out of this, I want to be another, another thing, it's that very sense of self that is, is the foundation for the growth of these territories, these pain forms, these unsatisfying forms. Instead, we just see there's this. This is the result of that. This is the result of confusion. This is the result of getting it wrong. This is the result of unskillful action. It's that. Enough of that. Now there's this. It's just like that. Coming out of the the trance uh, and out of achievement. We just come back to reality. This is gentle, this is peaceful, this is also courageous, and it requires energy. But it's a a soft power, the power of truth, a soft power, not a power of pressure, but a power of truthfulness and clarity, faith, compassion. This is what we pour into this form of, uh, of practice, which is going to be for our welfare, each and every one of us, and lead us to Nibbana. So let's uh, put the verbals aside. Verbalization aside, at least my verbalizations, and uh, have some time for intimate practice. And perhaps you'd like to um, have a few minutes of standing. <coughs>